0: Thanks for dropping by here on the Unlimited Unloaded page, where sometimes we add extended recaps and can tell you something that we didn't have for you on the stream, and that is a conference championship for the USF sailing team. They took part in an event that admittedly was off my radar, but we definitely want to mention the SESA Women's Team Racing Championship. They were going up against Jacksonville, Eckerd, and College of Charleston. It was a round robin format and it was pretty close as USF ended up 7 and 2, Jacksonville 6 and 3, Charleston 5 and 4. So with that conference championship, the first chance to compete in the College Sailing Women's Team Racing Championship at Brown University in a few weekends. More details up including some of the names of the competitors on gousfbulls.com. Now on to baseball, was not a good weekend. There was a big highlight play that indeed was the number one play of the day on Sports Center, but there was also a play that didn't make any of the highlight reels, but was very significant in the chance for the Bulls to get one win, but nope, didn't happen. So the first starters situation was Friday night in Orlando. We weren't sure exactly how many games would get played, if they'd all go off on time, Turned out to be a pretty perfect plan weather-wise. We had a Saturday off, a glorious day on Sunday as far as weather conditions, and just a little rain at the end of the game on Friday. But not a lot of scoring for the Bulls. They got shut out two games in a row and only scored in one inning as it turned out. Now, Friday was okay if you step back and look at it because we told you that Connor Stain had a zero ERA. Bulls had their chances against him, but in the end only got one hit he started to bring out a tremendous curveball bulls were ready for the fastball on the slider they were not ready for the curveball and once stain mastered that that was it orion kirkering threw six innings and he gave up one right away but could have been worse got out of that inning with only allowing one run in fact it was on a hit by pitch but even though the bulls would not score any runs in this game there were some highlights namely the bulls four times in Kirkering six innings, end the inning, turning two. So now Ben McCabe, you always worried he's going to find his stroke. He didn't really find it ever last year against the Bulls, and he hits that one that could be two. Actually taking it himself is Gonzalez, and a tough throw, and what a double play. Because they had him shaded, the second baseman wasn't there to field a throw from the shortstop. So Gonzalez, fully aware of this, coasted over to second base, and – as he basically hit the bag in one motion through and on a hop, Peña makes the play. So one pitch after it was 2-0, the inning is over with a double play, but the Knights extend their lead. It's not looking good. That ball's chopped, this could be good. Ruiz gets a high hop over to short for one, tough throw, and Peña makes the catch at first base on a hop. So for a second time tonight, after scoring a run, UCF hits into a double play, that ball was roped and took a high hop. Ruiz made the play and Gonzalez the nice turn. He's thrown now 87 pitches. Curve ball line could be two again. Gonzalez has issues. Can they get the play at second for one? And another great scoop by Pena. A third double play. McCabe hits into a second one. The only key for me was could they get the lead speedy runner, Bodecker. And the throw could have been better, but it still turns into another double play for the Bulls. We played five. They've turned three. That one could be two. Gonzalez, nice little room service over to Ruiz. And a fourth double play of the night. UCF can't do anything with that sinker by Kirkring. And he did his job. But then after that, here comes three strikeouts in the top of the seventh inning as we got Connor Stane out of the game, and in comes Kyle Kramer, the kid from Rollins and St. Pete High, to strike out four. Jason Tala, another Tampa Bay kid. Let me tell you, everything that UCF could have smiled about or felt good about happened this weekend, including some Tampa Bay kids performing well for them. It was just that way. Lex Bodecker, who gratefully is not from Florida even, he's from Ohio, a freshman though. They had to put a lot of freshmen in their lineup this year with Nick Romano, one of their veterans, tearing his ACL 12 games into the season. We're hoping that he comes back strong, but the Hillsboro High School kid is out of the lineup. So guys like Bodecker have really been relied upon. He's their cleanup batter and showed why. But boy, let me tell you, yeah, he's from McKeel Academy in Lakeland. Andrew Sundeen had four starts all year at catcher, he started all three games against the Bulls. He would get two hits in this game. They would win it 5 to nothing. Then, nothing doing on Saturday. We went to the park for basically no reason, except to get some batting practice in. If the game had been moved up, it could have been played, but the weather started to really turn at around 1 o'clock. They moved it from a 6 o'clock start to noon, but again, pretty much needed to be a 10 o'clock star. So what happened was Sunday, a planned doubleheader. And listen, you lose on Friday night to a guy who's not given up an earned run. You take it and you move on, and you realize that the Bulls haven't lost two games in a row all year, and that the Knights have lost their last four series, winning exactly one game. So you figured Friday night was their one game. Now, one thing the Bulls didn't have on Sunday, as it was going to be a seven-inning and then nine-inning doubleheader, that's conference rules, by the way, was Jack Jasiak. He has been dealing with an injury. It popped back up after his last two outings, which were both great. And unfortunately, it looks like he might be out for a while. So it's going to be Orion Kirkring, Brad Lord, and hope for somebody to emerge as the number three starter. Well, Brad Lord and the guy that started in the last game, Ethan Brown, did pretty well. In fact, such that it was six innings, but still technically a complete game for Lord in the first one, and if you weren't up early listening to us, we started at 11 o'clock. A pretty big play happened about 11.15. This was the number one play of the day on Center. Here's how it sounded. Around That ball is stroked to right field. Looks like it could be out of here. Going back on it, and oh, my goodness! Mayo goes over the wall! Did he catch it? Is he okay? Folks, this is unbelievable. Are they going to say he caught the ball no one has signaled he tumbled backwards over the wall i couldn't even tell you who was swinging the bat noah orlando and the ucf fans are applauding that shows you how impressive that was the second base umpire is going to come in and discuss here and i tell you what They're going to have to look at it on review. Mayo caught the ball. I mean, folks, this was unbelievable. Backwards, tumbling over the wall, and you can see a fan point saying he caught it. He caught it. That was incredible. If you want to see how it looked on SportsCenter as being described as the number one play, complete with the anchor saying the same thing that I did, is he okay, go to my Twitter page at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P, and it looked like it was gonna carry over because the Bulls loaded up the bases in the top of the second, all on walks, with one out. This was really their chance. Strikeout is what UCF is hoping for here. Ruiz hoping to ruin that. Curve ball, grounded to first. They're gonna throw it home for one, and to first for a double play. You just let somebody off the hook. Big, big time there. Well, I enjoyed those other double plays so much more. That would be Ruiz's last at-bat of the weekend. He was pinch hit for the next time around. He has been a little he's been on a little bit of a slump. Carmine Lane's been on a little bit of a slump. Jackson Mayo, meanwhile, put to the top of the order, but none of the Bulls had a hit in this game. Yeah, it was even worse, looking like it could be a no-hitter. We told you about the kid from McKeel Academy in Lakeland, Sun Dean. He had the go-ahead RBI, two for two in this game. He would have three multi-hit games. And again, had only started four all year. I think he is going to be their catcher. Ben McCabe hit a home run, did the bat flip and everything, and the only question was, could the Bulls get a hit? Finally, Ben Rosenblum, who doubled in the seventh, did. They actually had a chance to score, but they lose four to nothing. But they would start to score, finally. And I wish I'd had a better call on the first run of the weekend, considering it was Nelly Rivera's first career homer. But the way things were going and the way he had never hit a home run, you just didn't expect it. Still, it happened. I was hoping they would wear their Citronaut uniforms that they usually wear on Saturdays today. Of course, they warmed up in them yesterday, but we never got to play. Those are cool. And that ball was hit well, deep to center field. Going back on it is Peña, and it is over the wall. Rivera. Peña fooled me out there by looking like he had brought it in. Whoa, Nelly! A run! Of course, one run was probably not going to be enough, and one hit in the game was not going to be enough. The Bulls' next pitch, Ben Rosenblum singles, so back-to-back pitches, they had equaled their previous total for hits all weekend long. Side note, which was very strange on the Friday and then first game Sunday, in both cases, the Bulls just had one hit, getting out hit 11-1 to and 9-1. to And yet, UCF's Pitchers threw more pitches, which was very strange, but it shows the Bulls were getting on base with walks. And again, their pitching was really not that bad. Just the offense had not come to play. But it did this time. Roberto Peña singles first and second. Marcus Brodel in the Ruiz spot comes up and gets a great sack bunt. So things are rolling along. And then this didn't go down as an RBI. Strange to me, but either way, it definitely goes down as a big play in the game, followed by an offensive play from Mr. Mayo. Oh, Eaton might have lined that one over the first baseman's glove. There could be a play at the plate, though. It's not a bad throw. it gets away. Rosenblum will score, and maybe Peña will score too. Say Oh, Mayo hits it hard, and it gets by first baseman, McCabe. More runs coming around for the Bulls. Jackson Mayo could turn for three. No, he'll stop at two with an RBI double. And stuff is eluding UCF, and the runs are coming in. It is four to nothing. You hear the Bulls fans finally getting something to cheer about, and it felt pretty good at four to nothing. Then, well, UCF started to hit the ball pretty well against Brown, the lefty, in the third inning but he still got out of it and that was it for him and you didn't mind the decision to bring in Hunter Mink to start off the fourth he's been the closer but Billy Mole was I'm sure thinking get two possibly three innings from him he hasn't been scored upon well the Knights had other ideas and ironically Rivera of course with his first career homer the Bulls catcher Andrew Sundeen freshman catcher hits his first career homer which honestly was not nearly as surprising because he has just been crushing the ball at least did this past weekend I think he'll continue it hopefully it wasn't a fluke I don't think it is and that got them starting to hit everything as off of Mink They're 8 and 9 hitters, both solidly single, so they are in business. Jeffrey Pena, an RBI single, makes it 4-2. to But then Mink bears down, gets Alex Freeland to strike out, and here's the play that changed everything on Sunday. Funny enough, the play doesn't get mentioned on the UCF website in their recap, but I think it was pretty substantial to their five-run go-ahead rally in the bottom of the fifth. Mink, allow two runs, and that ball is hit. Oh, it hits the umpire. And go step on second base. The umpire can't make the play. So what are they going to call here? It hits the second base umpire. So what do you call it? It could have been a double play. Of course, that's not the concern. The concern is for Grady-Smith. The bases are loaded right now, but that's that's not going to be the case. Yeah, that could have been a double play ball easily because that could have been caught out of the air by Rosenblum at second, and you would have had a double play. It was going right to Rosenblum. Oh my goodness. What a break. Obviously, I did not know the rule, and I give Billy Mull credit. He not only helped me out afterwards, but knew it right away and didn't have to be told. Didn't mean that he or I or anybody with USF agreed with the rule, but it was the right application. Dead ball, runner is awarded first, everybody advances a base. And so that's how it was applied. We even thought they were going to look at it on replay. If you watch it... No doubt Ben Rosenblum is going to make a play on the ball, whether it's catching it before it hits the ground or on a hop. But either way, it's a double play because the runner was off from second base and the inning would have been over if it doesn't hit Grady Smith, the umpire. It got him on the arm and then ricocheted up into his face. So he really, fortunately, was okay to continue. But that's the kind of thing that was happening. It's the kind of thing I'll probably never see again in my lifetime and naturally the Knights took advantage because, again, instead of inning over, or at least maybe if the rules applied differently, first and third with two outs, Bodecker, who's their hottest hitter, hits into an almost double play. They actually reviewed it, and I thought they were going to give the Bulls the call, but he beat it out barely, maybe, and it's 4-3, to and then, of course, this happened. One and one, two away, and that's a blooper. And are you kidding UCF has the lead. And excuse me, two RBI single. The Knights have come all the way back. It's five to four. Never has a five to four lead going into the sixth inning felt more insurmountable. That's just the vibe, and I was there. And, of course, you're down by a run. You have four chances. The game is not over in reality. But kind of how it went down as the Bulls just could not get anything going against the Knights' pitchers. No hits the rest of the way and they lose 8-4, to four. UCF scores 3 in the 8th inning, including the last run on a dropped pop-up by Roberto Pena. So, officially, everything went the night's way, and it's been that way in the Warren I-4 series. There's no nice way of saying it. In fact, USF only has three wins this year, and two of them, men's soccer and men's basketball... UCF won in the other contest during the regular season and, as you know in men's basketball, beat the Bulls a second time to end their season at the conference tournament, so not great. In fact, women's soccer is the only sport that has a standalone win in the series. The Bulls play tomorrow night at six against UNF. We'll be on the call for that, but no Bulls beat tomorrow. Wanna to give myself time not only to prep for that game, but for the spring football broadcast, I do not want to be putting together the broadcast elements on Friday when the game is Saturday, so I'm going to give myself the time on Tuesday to do that and then call the game against UNF, airtime 545. UNF beat the Bulls earlier this year 2-1 on a walk-off home run. Bulls, Drew Brutcher, had a tying homer with two outs in the eighth. Brutcher, Lane, Cantu, who had a bad weekend, was 0-3 with three strikeouts on Friday didn't get the start in the first game Sunday. Struck out in a pinch hit appearance. Did fly out in a pinch hit appearance last time up. So yeah, the rolling along offense was certainly cooled down by the UCF Knights. We'll see if they can get it back going up a little bit on Tuesday against UNF. Women's tennis had a very, very close call against the number 55 team in the country, Rice, as they got wins at number one and number two singles from Grace Schumacher and Sierra Berry. And their number three singles player, and this was unfortunate, Laura Pellisset, was up 5-3 in the third set after dropping the first set. She was about to beat a 16-5 and player from Rice, Allison Zapoli. But as that was happening, Rice clinched the overall match at number four singles. It was previously agreed that everything would be stopped right when the overall victory was clinched. So that was tough for the Bulls. Rice did get the doubles point. Two sets went to tiebreakers. Bulls had to win them both. One was six apiece, and Rice won at number one doubles, eight six. So, again, right there with the number 55 team in the country. But you really can't say they were right there with the number 42 team in the country. FIU on Sunday blitzed the Bulls four to nothing. Meanwhile, men's tennis, ranked 56, won Friday at 58th ranked Tulane. And for the second time in a week, the top 10 ranked in the country doubles team of Rydvik Balapali and Bruno Oliveira lost their match, but the Bulls actually won the doubles point because their second and third teams took their sets. Chase Ferguson, Ivan Yatsuk, 6'4", and Alvin Todorica and Sergio Gomez-Montesa, 6'1". So you win the doubles point, you just have to split the singles, and really the Bulls took care of business pretty quickly with Yatsuk at one, Muniz at three, and Todorica. Alvin Todorica, 12 matches in a row he's won at the number four spot all winning in straight sets. They are off again until this weekend. They will not be back at home. They finish up with three more matches on the road before the conference tournament. Track and field tried to get in a couple of days at the Gainesville relays, but rain really hampered that schedule. If you want details on how they did, head to go usfbulls.com, and we'll talk more about track this week again. They are at home for their first meet on their new track. That'll do it for Bulls Beat, the extended version here on the Unlimited Unloaded page. I'm Derek Sharp.